1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Slow cooked, succulent meats delivered fast to your door. Search for us via Uber Eats and Deliveroo
2: hello this is football social daily every single day of the football season we'll have a brand new podcast full of all the biggest talking points from the english premier league brought to you from fans journalists and even comedians sometimes this is the only podcast anywhere that focuses solely on the premier league seven days a week so why not hit subscribe and join the 1.3 million others who've listened to the show already this season. Really appreciate you tuning in. On today's podcast, we'll look back across last night's top flight action, with defeats for Norwich and AFC Bournemouth really ramping up the pressure in the race for survival. And at the other end of the table, important victories for Manchester United and Wolves in their challenge for a Champions League place. With Liverpool winning last night too, they could end their 30-year wait for a title as early as tonight... Chelsea, who aren't certain of top four themselves just yet, will need to draw or beat an informed Man City this evening for the trophy to travel to Anfield. Arsenal, Southampton, Watford and Burnley all also in action tonight and we'll preview the lot here on Football Social Daily. My name's Niall McCorn and alongside me on today's show we've got Marley Anderson. Hello Marley. Hey mate, how are we doing? All good. I was just wondering, do you know if they're doing the cardboard cutout thing at St James's Park, mate? Um,
3: I don't think, no. We're not, um, purely because we've got well, probably because we've got a load of uh, comedians in our uh, fan base. I mean, have you seen what's happened to Leeds uh, in the last couple of days? So we don't want <laughs> we don't want to repeat of that. have you know, it's 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 not past a Newcastle fan to get a cardboard cutout of someone like Raúl Moat and, stu- and stuck him there, and Gaza with a fishing rod, and Anton Deck, It'd be an absolute fest of uh, of hilarious banter if uh, Newcastle did that. So I think they're just uh, cutting the losses before they even start.
2: There'd be thousands of bald white men with their shirts off, I think. That is what you'd (laughs) say. see. Uh, Also, we've got Manchester City content creator Stephen McInerney here. Hi, Stephen. It's been a while, mate. How's things? It's been um, an awful long
0: time. I'm good. Are you all right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, very well. I've noticed that you've been setting the record straight on Twitter about the term Stockport Iniesta. Uh, You're not having anyone (laughs) else taking credit for that because it's a nickname you coined. Is that right?
0: I'm I'm claiming I coined it. I've... um... But I mean, obviously, I can only prove it to an extent, but yeah, I'm claiming I did that. I remember seeing uh, Foden back in 2015 and just saying to my dad at a game, this guy looks like ADS there. Um And I've got vague proof uh, <laughs> on the internet that I, I did say that first. Um, I'm claiming it, but, you know... Um, I guess it's kind of pointless in the end to claim anything as trivial as that <laughs> but when, he's got his, um, when people are looking back in 20 years I'm going to have that one I'm going to tell my kids that get that, tra-
2: get that trademark filed Stephen you don't want anyone stealing Stockport <laughs> and Esther from you get that filed right let's begin by recapping last night's Premier League results here on Football Social Daily don't forget we have full match previews for all the upcoming fixtures on our brand new website sport-social.co.uk where we detail who's injured suspended etc and these are also available on your smart speaker as well as match So whether you're using Alexa or Google Home, just go and search for Sports Social in the Skills Store. It's really useful for keeping up to date on all the latest news from your club. Right then, Carrow Road is where we begin. Norwich City 0, Everton 1. An absolute mountain to climb for Norwich City. I personally think that they're gone, they're down. At least they had a moment to smile about earlier on in the season by beating Manchester City. I think it's a step too far for them to stay up now. Why have they been so bad, Stephen? Because they have some really good players. I'm thinking, you know, Timo Pukki's adapted to the Premier League pretty well for someone who's not really played at this level before. Todd Cantwell's a decent player. Emi Buendia looks like a really useful player as well. So why is it that they've been so dreadful this year?
0: Um, I, I mean, I think it's just the overachieved at the start, if I'm being honest. I mean, Pukki's goals have hugely dried up, haven't they? I don't, he, when's the last time he scored? It's been an awful long time anyway. And mm. I think maybe they just kind of had that new promotion bounce and overall the quality probably wasn't sustainable i remember seeing a stat as well it suggested that um uh, cantwell's early form was just once again incredibly unsustainable given um expected goal stats basically he had a really high and um, he was overachieving essentially early on and even though he's still a pretty good player i think largely norwich have probably just reverted back to their kind of level and i don't mean too disrespectful i just think maybe they're a little bit um mm. uh, just ill prepared really i guess for this, this quality in this league they're still trying to play the football. Uh, which is admirable, really, where they're still trying to play good holes in football. But I guess, usually, um, I think what's happened whereas initially they came up and they had a lot of confidence, and the the attack teams have got a couple of good goals, uh, a couple of performances, and gave them loads of confidence. Mm. It took a few spankings, and as a result, they probably naturally stimmed some of their um, own confidence a little bit, and they've been a little bit more cautious. Um, the goals are dried up big time. There were, their expected goals have dried up. Um, Buen and Diaz not getting forward as much. He looks a lot more defensive, which you'd expect from a team who's struggling. So I think basically they've just um, probably harsh realities have hit them. Uh, I think the City game, obviously I'm sitting as a City fan, but I think that for them that was a bit of a weird anomaly and probably made them a little bit more comfortable than they probably needed to be or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I think largely Norwich have just. Um, just struggled with a lack of overall quality. I mean, mm. um, it is tough, you know, as good as they can be, as good as football can be, the Premier League's a ruthless, ruthless <laughs> at times. And I think that any little mistakes have been taken advantage of. And um, it's a shame that they'll go down, it's a shame. Um, but I think mean, it's sadly just um, a cause and effect of a lack of quality.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that win over Manchester City came in September, didn't it? So that's very early in the season to peak, isn't it? You know, if that's your kind of crowning moment. But you have to say, fair play to them, as you mentioned. They've not abandoned type. They, they've they stuck to their guns. It hasn't worked out for them. And I think they're probably ahead of their plan. I think they had like a five-year plan to get into the Premier League and they did it within 12 months. So uh, it's not no real surprise that they finished bottom. Marley, we've spoken about this before. Uh, can you see Norwich keeping that crop of players together? Because, as mentioned before, um, th- those players I just mentioned, you know, they're, they're likely to be picked up by bigger clubs.
3: Yeah, that's going to be their uh, their issue. I think um, they have got a few good a few good players that uh, that will attract the likes of of bigger clubs and and Premier League clubs when when Norwich ultimately do get relegated. Um, so that's going to be their challenge because the thing I think has been wrong with um, with Norwich this season is just a little bit of a lack of experience. If you look at um, if you look at the defense in particular, you know you've got the likes of um, uh, Lewis, the left back, Aaron's uh, at right back, and Godfrey at centre back. Who are, they're all really promising players, but to ask them to come into a Premier League season and get it right and and adapt and and shackle the likes, you know the 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 best strikers in the country is uh, is, mm. is a really big ask um, and the problem with being a little bit too too young and too naive is that when you do go down there are a lot of clubs that are going to look at them and go well they've all got experience uh, they've all got potential so the likes of Godfrey and Aaron's and Cantwell and uh, Lewis they're all going to be like you know on the on the on the radars of of slightly uh of bigger clubs of premier league mm-hmm. clubs i mean i think campwell was linked with um with liverpool um a little while back um going in there i think he's only like 20 21 years old so there's plenty of potential it's just um like you say, they probably got uh, promoted quicker than they wanted to quicker than they expected to i should say um and it's come back to bite them a little bit and it's uh, it's a little bit uh, sad that they've had to you know fight Fight this uh, this losing battle when it looked uh, it looked quite promising in um, in in August and September when they they beat Man City and they, they hammered Newcastle and you know that was uh, that was unfortunately as good as it got for Norwich I think.
2: Mm, Yeah, the uphill incline certainly steepens for Norwich City. They are quite far cut adrift at the bottom of the table, so they've got a real mountain to climb if they're going to secure survival. It looks very much like they will be playing championship football next season. As for Everton, a 1-0 victory for them. Uh, Michael Keane with the header, securing the three points. Carlo Ancelotti still feels they have an outside chance of European qualification. With a manager of that quality, wouldn't put it past them. Anyway, moving on to our next game, which took place at Molyneux last night. Wolverhampton Wanderers won. Bournemouth nil. Now, another team down there in the relegation. Meyer uh, losing a, a crucial game. Wolves, meanwhile, the train rolls on for them. But the Cherries are in real trouble, Stephen. Another defeat for them. I was just wondering, Eddie Howe's been at the Vitality Stadium for absolutely years, bar a brief spell at Burnley for a few months. Is there a chance that, you know, the Eddie Howe factor has gone a little bit stale down there on the south coast?
0: Um, I was doing, um, before this, I was looking around to see what the Bournemouth fans feel, um, and I was looking on a couple of forums, and they actually do feel that that stagnation is uh, a a possibility, basically, and I think you can always look at um, fans uh, of their own team and see what they kind of gauge largely, and you probably get a true picture, Um, and I do think uh, the Eddie Howe factor has gone a bit stale, uh, largely, I think... um, uh, Bournemouth are a, a nice little team. Um, I think, mean, but I think they're relatively one-dimensional, really. Um, and I, I don't try. I'm not trying to insult them, but I think he's not particularly. I wouldn't say he's. Um, I think Eddie Howe, I personally don't rate Eddie Howe quite as highly as others do, which is a bit of a controversial statement in football. Uh, but I think he's a, he's a solid manager. I think he's a solid manager, and that's kind of it. He passes. I think because he passes uh, the ball about, yeah, he gets a lot more. I guess put it this way, he gets a lot more leniency than someone like Steve Bruce would do because of the style of football. Anyhow, tries to play, um, but I think overall his impact is just one that you expect. And also, once again, I mean, Bournemouth—they are—they don't have the funds that other teams have. Admittedly, they aren't. Um, they've got like you know a tiny little stadium. there. they're not a mm-hmm. uh, particularly huge, a huge couple of big infrastructure. So it must be it was difficult for them to. Um, uh, I guess just kind of hold their own at this level. And to be honest, even when they finished around mid-table, they did have a spell where they were slightly fighting relegation as well. Anyway, so I think they've been skirting around this for a while. Uh, And I think, once again, I think it's just a similar case with Richard's at times catching up with him a little bit. And I think maybe how Eddie Howe could probably do, maybe a new right-hand man or someone like that to give him some fresh ideas. Because we saw it with Spurs and Pochettino, and a manager of high-quality Pochettino felt that the players weren't responding to him. and I think he's still, I personally think he's a little bit better than how. But um, if it happens there, then it can definitely happen at Bournemouth. So it feels very much like um, if you keep trying to say things, eventually you just have to move on and evolve. All the all the best teams in time, mm. they do evolve and change. Look at great United teams there. Even City's teams changed uh, for when Guardiola came in and stuff like that. Um, you just have to evolve and move on. And I think Bournemouth are kind of setting the ways and players aren't responding quite as much for me.
2: I think you're right, Stephen. Because if you look at their squad, there's a large chunk of players that that are still at the club that were there when they got promoted from League One to the Championship a few years ago. And you got to remember that it took them seven years from being in the League Two relegation zone and nearly dropping out of the EFL to being a Premier League club. So, you know, things kind of came so quickly for Bournemouth. What do you think? Do you think they're gone? Do you think that's it? Their five-year stay in the top flight's over?
0: Um, no, they still got a chance. They've the we look at the table now, you think, I mean, it could be anything from West Ham to Watford as well. They, I think, I've got a feeling they'll stay up, weirdly. Uh, I, I've got a sneaky feeling Watford might drop into the relegation zone. Mm. But, I mean, at this moment, you sort to tell because form isn't really a thing, given know. everything that's going on, isn't it? So mm. we need a couple more games to, to see the general momentum. And um, I don't really feel we, we can make a too big a judgment on uh, Bournemouth losing away to Wolves, who are a very good team. So yeah. it's hard. I mean, I feel like they would have lost that probably anyway, you know. Mm. But so it's, it's. But we need to see more, basically, from a few more games. I think that we'll know which which way clubs are heading because at the moment it feels it feels a little bit too early.
2: I think you're right, Stephen, as well. There's. It's not like there's only two or three teams fighting down the bottom. There's. There's at least four that I can think of off the top of my head that, that could get in real trouble. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens with the Cherries. As for Wolves, Marley, as I said before, that that steam train just keems, seems to keep rolling. The break came at a really good time for them, seeing as they've been playing competitive football since July, qualifying for the Europa League. And, you know, they've come back looking rejuvenated and refreshed. And for me, Raul Jiménez, who scored the goal against Bournemouth, he just looks like a real playground bully. He's got that strange smile with the gap tooth. And he's just like, he's, he's not... He's not the kind of typical uh, person you think of when you think who's one of the best strikers in the Premier League. But for me, there's no doubt that his form for Wolves will likely see him attract interest from elsewhere.
3: Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Um, the, the goals he's got, I think, is it 14 now, something like that in the Premier League? Um, and he's done it this year and he did it last year. Um, and maybe maybe clubs will be looking at him as, uh, you know, Champions League clubs and and. Big, big title-winning clubs from from around Europe and that kind of thing, but he's 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 tailor-made for the Premier League, isn't he? If you look at him, he's a big guy. He's mobile. He can handle himself. As you said, he he looks like a bully. He, he can bully defenders. He can get get in and mix it. Um, I mean, during lockdown, I've been watching um, Narcos, uh, Narcos Mexico, and he's as a Mexican guy, he he can probably hang in, uh He can probably <laughs> you know cut it in one of those. Uh, those districts of uh, of Mexico back in the uh, back in eighty five and the early nineties. He's one of them. He's just tough, isn't he? He's hard. He, he wouldn't fancy playing against him as a defender. He's got everything he needs to uh, to give you a really hard time as a defender. But um, it's fair play to Wolves, as as you said, with um, with the break. I, I listened to uh, to Sunday's show with with Natalie uh, Natalie Pavlik, um recently, and she was she mentioned that Wolves had the first game something like three hundred and eleven days ago and it was like last July when they started this Europa League campaign. So if any if any club needed the the only positive of a, a worldwide pandemic, it was Wolves because they needed a break. They were running on fumes. They were like it was it's they've not got a massive squad either, so the likes of Neves, Moutinho, Jimenez, Jota, um Bolly, Cody, they were all playing pretty much every game. The only real place they've got um, two good players for every position he's probably like left wing back and right wing back with Adama Traore and Doherty and the left backs of Otto and uh, Ruben Vinagra but everyone else was pretty much playing every game so Wolves having this three month break like a mini pre-season is fantastic and it's worked out well for them as well that the Europa League isn't starting until the Premier League finishes so they can solely concentrate mm. on the Premier League each each uh, well not each week but every every three days and then they can worry about Europe. So it's good for teams like that. They don't have to think we'll have to rest someone on Sunday because we want them to play in the Europa League on Wednesday. It's much better for, for Wolves to just say, right, we can actually go at every game now because it's one competition and then it's the other after it. So it's working really well for Wolves. And I wouldn't I wouldn't back against them to, uh, to nick a, a Champions League uh, place, especially if City's ban held. Well, only two points
2: off. Only so. yeah, I mean, two points off, Stephen. Absolutely right. And and also what you said about Jimenez possibly being part of that kind of Mexican uh, drug cartel from Narcos. <laughs> it's how I feel about Alfredo Morelos at Rangers. Just an absolute oh, mad guy. Have you read that story it... about him climbing up trees and catching iguanas for his family? To yeah, eat? that was <laughs> mental. <laughs> if you he haven't wouldn't... seen it, Google it. Uh, if you listen to the show and you don't know what we're talking about. Alfredo Morelos is a Colombian striker for Rangers who, when he was younger, used to climb up trees and catch iguanas and then find the pregnant ones and cut out the embryo of the pregnant (laughs) iguana and take them home to his family to eat for dinner. Um, It's a remarkable story, but because it's Alfredo Morelos, you wouldn't put it past him.
3: I've you know I've got so many questions about that, and I simply don't know who to ask. Like, do the I get, do I get do bit. I try and do I Google Michaela Strachan and see if she's still around? You know, we used to present that really <laughs> wild show when you were a kid? Like, what's she doing now? can she answer my questions? We need to get her on the podcast.
0: His um, his family actually then sewed the iguanas back up apparently, and then because he didn't feel do not want to kill them, he swatted the embryo and then
2: let him go. See, he's not, he's not that cold-hearted, Stephen. He, 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 at least he sewed it back up, eh? Goodness me. God, I can't believe we're talking about iguanas on the podcast. Let's talk about Newcastle United versus Aston Villa. A bigger game for Aston Villa, it has to be said, than Newcastle, who with a... You know, exceeding uh, with with an impressive 3-0 victory over Sheffield United at the weekend, um, took themselves 10 points clear of the danger zone. Aston Villa knew that a draw would keep them in the bottom three, and that's exactly what they got. Ahmed Al Mohamedi with a late uh, equaliser for Aston Villa to ensure that they picked up a point from St. James's. I will say Newcastle are looking slightly freer of late. I think that they are, you know, probably looking like they can play a little bit better football than we saw in the first part of the season. But I'm concerned about Villa, Stephen. Their next three games are, as we've previously mentioned, the the uh, imperious-looking Wolves, Liverpool, who might have won the league by then, and Manchester United, who are also in the hunt for the top four. So, you know, it looks pretty grim for Aston Villa if you're taking those next three fixtures into account.
0: Um, yeah, it does. It doesn't look good at all. Uh, and they... They, are, I, I got a feeling they are going down. Unfortunately, I, I, just don't think they have enough quality. Um, they, they've had a weird season, really. They, done what many people considered the Fulham approach, you know, where they signed loads of players, famously a few years back, and it, I, I can't really see past uh, the loss of John McGinn for a huge part of the season as being the moment that kind of really kind of sealed their potential fate. I mean, they still might stay up, but it felt like that for me was a big moment because he was their heartbeat in midfield, and. They've struggled for goals. Um, defensively, they've been a bit... Mm, and even then, they kind of got lucky um, on the first game of the restart. We you know, the uh, disallowed... Well, not allowed goal um, against Sheffield United. Mm. Um, they're just uh, a pretty... they team that seems to lack a even though they've got some decent players. They're just... They're kind of just floating about. Uh, and they they seem out of, out of ideas. And when you see that fixture list, it's hard not to kind of be concerned for Villa, really. I, I mean, Wolves... I think Wolves will beat them. Liverpool, United, United are in a bit of resurgence. Liverpool probably at this point could be celebrating a title. Maybe, who knows. Um, I think they're going down, unfortunately. The the Newcastle game, it was okay. It was a bit drab. It was the archetypal kind of post-lockdown game. It was a little bit lacking of energy. Uh, And I mean, that's one of the things that's going to affect the teams down near the bottom as well, is that they haven't got the fitness that they need or the energy that they need. And you see teams usually when they stay off relegation, there's normally a concerted effort and the players get really up for it. And the crowd tends to get behind them. You know, you Mm. do need that to fight off relegation. And basically, everyone's now playing in in the most flattest of um, scenarios they've ever played played in uh, as a professional footballer. So it's kind of weird and it's unsettling and... Um, I still think they've got the momentum or they can't even generate the momentum because of a lack of atmosphere as well at ground so it's not looking good for Villa Mm,
2: Saving grace for Dean Smith Marley is that despite the next three games being Wolves Liverpool and Man United the last three games come against Everton uh, and think Southampton and West Ham United on the final day of the season so even though these next three games are looking tough the last few are definitely winnable for them
3: uh, yeah but even i mean even them then teams you mentioned I, I would expect Everton to beat them and i would expect um, southampton to beat them if i'm honest i think the only chance of Southam- they've got at southampton if is if southampton are already safe by that point which they should be and hopefully not playing for anything that's what villa would be looking at but um on the last day against west ham i mean we spoke yesterday on the uh, podcast didn't we about um about West Ham Moyes saying that might be the uh, the game that keeps them up and I think it, it might be the same for Villa as well I mean they'll they'll be hoping that they're still in with a shout of it because they will be not confident but hopeful of getting something at uh, West Ham on the final day but mm. I mean even talking about that now it's it's silly to to say, well, well, you know, we don't really mind losing these games as long as West Ham lose because we're playing them on the on the last day. I mean, there's three teams on 27 points at the bottom of the table, and yeah. two of them uh, will go down. So, you know, you might you might finish Aston Villa might finish above um, above West Ham, but I mean, Bournemouth and Watford might get sucked back into it. Um, or they might they might mm. be gone by that time. So it's all very well and good beating West Ham at the end of the at the end of the season or targeting them games. If you if you only get three points and Bournemouth get four in the next eight games, then they're above you and that's it. You you still go down. So they need to they need to just have a free mm. cracker. Absolutely everything. I mean, you can't target games yeah. at this point of the season. They've got the worst goal difference of of the three. Um, so if it comes down to that, I mean that's why the nineteenth of the minute Aston Villa, but. They lack goals, but they need to, I think for me, they need to throw the kitchen sink at teams a bit more. I mean, teams are too clever now to to let Grealish do what he wants. I think Newcastle shackled him quite, quite well last night. And, you know, as a Newcastle fan, you know, we're not the best team at, at cutting out, uh, at, you know, stopping the opposition playing. Mm. But everyone's doing that now. Everyone's shackling Grealish, fouling him if they need to. He was fouled um, 140
2: times the other day, Marley against Chelsea, which is the most that any player has ever been fouled since the Premier League started taking records for fouls over 20 years 140 ago. 140 times? Yeah. Not in one, one, one game, game. Not in one game. <laughs> saying, in one season. He he was I was going to say, it was, yeah, Jesus yeah. <laughs> No, they did kick him off the park, literally. Um, no, so wow. it was nine times. I think it was between nine and 11 times. I can't remember the exact figure against Chelsea, but in total this yeah. season, 140, which is the most that any player's ever been fouled uh, since the Premier League started taking records for that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, and that just that just sums it up, doesn't it? I mean, stop Grealish, stop Villa. Who else have they got? I mean, Wesley's out for a long time. Um, Absolute flop as a
2: striker as well, Wesley. I mean, we talk about Alair at West Ham and Joe Linton being poor. Wesley, another one, poor acquisition up front for me. Do you
3: think? I'm I'm not so sure. I think he needs he needs time uh, for me. Like it's hard to hard to write him off just yet, but when you only get one season and and then your team might go down yeah. to the championship, you you simply haven't got that season. So, you know, on mm-hmm. on the basis of it, he probably will go down as a flop. Although I do think there's a little bit more potential
2: there than than some others, but. Yeah, it's a shame shame for Villa, but I think they're gone. Just a quick recap of those fixtures. Apologies, no Southampton in there, but their next few games. Wolves, Liverpool, Manchester United, Crystal Palace, Everton, Arsenal and West Ham on the final day of the season. As I said before, looking very, very grim indeed for Aston Villa if they want to stay up in the Premier League this season. Right, final game to look back across before we go for a quick break. And it came at Old Trafford where Manchester United inflicted a second 3-0 defeat on Sheffield United in the space of a couple of days. Chris Wilder's side before this lockdown period finished and Project Restart got underway had conceded the second fewest goals in the Premier League. Only Liverpool had conceded less than Sheffield United. Now they've shipped six in two games. Anthony Martial scored a hat-trick for United, the first Premier League hat-trick from a Manchester United player in seven years since Robin Van Persie hit one in 2013. Now... I shouldn't discredit how hard it is to score a hat-trick, Stephen, but <clears throat> that really surprised me. Um, a club of Manchester United's size and stature and the pride that they've had in some of the top players they've had at that club over the years, um, that's really surprised me that it's been seven years, basically no hat-trick post-Ferguson.
0: Um, yeah, that is absolutely mad. Um, and I guess that... Uh, I mean, hat-tricks are usually... multiple. Many hat-tricks are usually a sign of a, a functioning team, but... That is crazy. I didn't know it had been that long. I can't even think of how many City have had in that time. From my perspective, I feel like we've had probably over, well over 10, put it that way. Um, <laughs> Aguero's been,
2: broke the record for hat-tricks in that time, has he not?
0: <laughs> he's had, well, he's had 16 hat-tricks throughout his Manchester City career, Aguero. So I wouldn't be surprised if he has broke the record, yeah. Um, it'll be an awful lot, put it that way. Um, but United, actually, and it pays me to say this, um, they're starting to look pretty decent. <laughs> like they really are. <laughs> I, I, I watched a bit of the game last night. Uh, and even though South United started pretty well after that, United were relatively comfortable, I felt. Um, and they, they've got, like, a, a bunch of good players. And it, I, I don't know if Solskjaer can get them where they need to, be, but they are—they uh, do look like they're heading in the right direction for mm. the first time in a long time. And that forward line is pretty good. When I saw the team last night, that's a pretty strong team for United, you know. Um, uh, I think it was Matic holding, wasn't it, then? Um then obviously, Fernandez and Pogba ahead of him. Just the two players that draw draw plays in, which creates space for others. And obviously, Rashford, Martial, and Greenwood. I thought he was a pretty good front three. And uh, I had a feeling they were going to win comfortably last night. Uh, and they did. And they are. They have plenty of reasons to feel positive at the moment, United fans. And mm. probably rightfully so, because the squad overall, the defence is starting to look a little bit stronger. They've got a solid, a good midfield, I would say. They've got a good forward line and who knows who they'll sign in the summer. United fans should be feeling pretty positive, I reckon, because they're probably going to get fifth and who knows, it hopefully it doesn't happen. They could get lucky and City don't end up with the Champions League next year and then United are there. And, and with a signing or two, maybe they'll be competing a lot higher next season as well. So um, it pays me to say, but United are looking like a team that's finding some kind of identity at the moment. Mm. If whether it's enough to challenge Manchester city Liverpool going forward, I don't know. But they are getting better, and maybe with an astute signing or two, maybe they get a marquee signing in the summer. They could be right up there.
2: Yeah, certainly it looks like they've improved, and um, you know they've carried on the form that they took into the break, uh, post break as well. And with Chelsea, you know, not a huge gap to them in fourth, and Leicester slightly limping, then they they could really have a chance to sneak into that top four, even especially if Manchester City do beat Chelsea in tonight's fixture, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. As for Sheffield United, Marley Chris Wilder said he was sick and tired of uh, people talking about European football for his team because his side had turned in two bang average performances since the restart. It's now been three bang average performances. Have the Blades blown any chance of finishing in even the Europa League spots now?
3: Um, I I would think so. Um, not that they're too far off to do it. I just think the teams around them are all playing well. Uh, if you look at Man United, they're playing well, as Steven's just been saying. Wolves, as we said before, they're playing well. They're above them. Uh, Tottenham... It still remains to be seen how well Spurs are playing, but I mean they've they've got four points from the game so far and it looks like you'd expect Tottenham to get better um in the in the final eight games. Uh, seven games whatever it is. Um and they've got a, a ten goal swing on Sheffield United as well. I'm looking at Spurs' his goal difference is nine. Sheffield United's is minus one, so you know, it's it's one of them where Sheffield United are gonna to have to get a lot better a lot quicker in that that would um hinge for me on on the the lack of goals. There's no goals in that team. There, there never has been. Um and they've they've been so so solid at the back that they've built a, a fantastic season on this. Um and the, the you know the talks of, of Europe always seemed a little bit fanciful but they were realistic um at the time when they were when they were sitting in fifth and sixth. So when Chris Wilder was saying, oh, you know, people need to stop talking about Europe, well, they're not going to if you're 5th or 6th in the league, It's, it's, no one's doing it, doing you a disservice there, no one's saying that you're, you know, they're, they're not putting too much expectations on you, because anyone in 5th or 6th in the, in the Premier League, in, after 28, 29 games, is going to be talked about in Europe, it doesn't matter how big you are, or how small you are, or how many goals you've scored, or whatever, so... Um, when he was saying people need to forget about that, it was it was a bit dreamy for me. Like when no one's gonna forget about that until yeah. you lose a few games, and it looks like you've uh, you've you've you know blown your your shot kind of thing. And I think Sheffield United might have done that now, but in 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 all honesty, I don't think there's a Sheffield United fan who wouldn't have took eighth at the start of this. I mean the eighth now. If you offered them eighth mm. back in you know last August, they would have snapped your hand off. So. They need to they need to go away yeah. sort sort out um, Henderson's future if they can get him again or even get him on a permanent or anything like that um, and the, a couple of signings and they need to uh, to do the best to avoid this uh, second season syndrome as 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 we call it in the uh, the Premier League mm. cliche um, the cliche <laughs> you know whatever I don't know what I'm trying to say but you know it's it gets harder in the second season basically so they need to if they yes. if they finish this season badly. It might get really hard for them in the second season. They need to avoid that um, massively.
2: I think this has been their only real chance of European football, which is why I thought that was quite surprising from Chris Wilder to say that, unless he's trying to take the pressure off his players, of course. But with Everton, Tottenham and Arsenal all having lacklustre seasons, there really isn't a better time than now to try and get into those European spots. Anyway, we'll have to wait and see what happens to the Blades between now and the end of the season. But Manchester United looking firmly in the hunt for that uh, even a top four place between now and the end of the season Manchester United 3 Sheffield United 0 Old Trafford still got Liverpool to talk about as they took a step closer to the title we'll look at Burnley against Watford Southampton against Arsenal and the big game tonight Chelsea against Manchester City and we'll do it all after this break here on Football Social Daily
1: Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and do breeze Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
2: Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. And on today's podcast, we'll be looking back at yesterday's action as well as previewing tonight's games, which include a game at the which includes a game at Stamford Bridge tonight, Chelsea versus Manchester City, arguably more important for the Blues as they need to increase that cushion to the top four. First of all, though, we're going to take a trip to Anfield and talk about Liverpool's dominant performance against Crystal Palace. They won 4-0 last night and many Liverpool fans are saying that's more like it, lads. Back to what we're used to seeing. For me, though, this game showed the squad depth issues, Stephen, because against against Everton, they had no Andy Robertson, no Mo Salah, and it felt like they were all at sea, really. They refuse to spend the 50 million quid on Timo Werner, which could come back to bite them, seeing as he's now gone to Chelsea. They need really adequate replacements and squad depth like Manchester City have got. I mean, you look at the way Pep Guardiola rotates his side. I know you played against Burnley on Monday night and uh, Burnley aren't the strongest side in the league. But I mean, many of those players that kind of came in on rotation will comfortably walk into other Premier League sides. So... For me, I feel like they need to really kind of take a dive into the market because it's been a couple of seasons. I mean, the last one we've really seen in terms of a marquee signing um, was ages ago. It was Virgil van Dijk, and that was like a couple of Januarys ago.
0: Yeah, Alisson as well was a big signing, wasn't he? You know, mm. world record favourite for a goalkeeper. Um, and obviously Naby has spent an awful lot of money in him as well. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, they, they always say that when you're at the top and you're successful, that's when you should reinvest in your squad. Um, keep things fresh, keep things changing, keep players hungry, keep them on the on the toes and all that kind of stuff and more cliches for the cliché book. And um, But largely, like I do... Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Liverpool fans would probably even admit the same and I know a lot of Liverpool fans who were really frustrated by uh, the Werner thing, felt like they, he was theirs and then mm. to hear they're going to stick with a and that, they felt that like was a little bit of um, the board talking as opposed to the clock talking um, and when you start to feel that way, I guess it can be a concern. I mean, largely though, Liverpool fans will be delighted, you know, they're going to win the league. Uh, sure. The, and they, put, they could even do it against City. Uh, they could even do it tonight. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, I think, I'm think i not trying to sound salty as a City fan, but this is just kind of facts. Other than the Alisson injury, they've kind of been lucky about any... Their main players have stayed around, you know, Van Dijk, Mane, Salah, Firmino and so on. Um, I mean, a serious injury from them. then, I would never wish it, never hope for it on any player. But if it happened, yeah, there would be a drop-off in quality. You know, Mm. uh, Robertson, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, they haven't got anything close to uh, good replacements for those players, you know. So they are very much a team with an excellent first eleven and some kind of versatility in the midfield, admittedly, because they've got, you know, a few good midfield players there. Mm. Like in midfield, they can swap it around a little bit um, and mix it up. And they've obviously tried to hope that Minamino will be a good player for them. But they do need to capitalise on their success and... um, the, the best teams do that they you, you buy when you're at the top because players have that extra motivation and uh but that i guess will be a problem for something to the consider during the summer
2: it's that front three i think for me i mean you saw how much mane suffered against everton when there was no andy robertson there to kind of feed him um salah was out for the derby and everton looked the better side and i know it's a derby game so you can't read too much into it because derby matches no matter whether they're behind closed doors or not, always tend to throw up some, some weird and wonderful scenarios. But if you look at that first eleven, as you mentioned, so solid, so strong, powerful, imposing, you'd expect them to get a result against pretty much any team in Europe, including the top sides. However, you you take a few of those players out, and although Origi scored some real clutch goals for Liverpool, I mean, replacing Firmino with Origi and Minami, Salah with Minamino, and I mean, I don't even know who else they can call upon. Shaqiri has been injured and whatnot. I just, it's just not the same. It's not the same, and I think that's a real issue they need to address.
0: The drop off from them for their first choice to second choice, for example, is much bigger than it is for Manchester City. You know, agreed. Yeah. Um, and that uh, once again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. They probably a lot of Liverpool fans would probably admit the same. And I think there's only so long you can rely on Origi with those big clutch moments. Uh, I think largely, uh, there's a little bit. There's been a little bit of luck there as well. You know, like um, with Pickford just dropping the ball basically into the net for Ariga to put it in. Those moments, they you you do make your own looking football. I do believe that, but they can't rely on Shaqiri and Rigi to bail them out if anything happens to those players. You do need a higher quality um, of a squad, basically squad sort of replacements. Uh, and you, you're right; um, they are a lesser team when when one of those three players up front aren't there, or one of their full-backs aren't there. And I think it's because they've got such a, an impeccable chemistry. Those three players. Uh, as uh, Salah, Firmino, and Marnie. the when one of them is not there, there is a case of well, what do we do now? You know, they the whole, sim- the, the function as a team is very symbiotic. They all work together as one. You know, mm. and you take one out of that, and it's a notable difference. But you know, I mean, still they they're, they're, they're romping to the league, and and it's one of those things where if that you know if that's their one problem. They they've got 99 million <laughs> good you know issues. So so it's hard. To, it, they were Liverpool fans must be a little bit like shrug the shoulders with that, but. I'm sure as well, they will spend in the summer. They will. It's just um, if they spend, I mean, there's only so long as well, you can get away with trying to buy these little bargain players. Eventually some of them are just going to, you know, not become world-class like Robertson or whatever. That's, yeah. that's they, that. I mean, that's good, co- that's obviously good transfer market action and it's good coaching, but not all of these are guaranteed to be world-class mm-hmm. players. So I think, Eventually, they are going to have to
2: invest. I think they deserve the title on the balance of it. They're 20-odd points clear at the top. I don't think anyone anyone can say they can't deserve it. But let's not forget, if Manchester City draw or lose to Chelsea tonight, Liverpool were handed the title, Marley. They win the Premier League, the first league title in 30 years. It's been such a long wait. However, you don't want to take any gloss off of the, off of the achievement of... Is that like the worst way you can win a title? I remember when Leicester won the title in 2016 without having to play a game, and they were all sat in their front room, you know, cheering and shout. I mean, Liverpool players can't even do that. I mean, it would be weirdly emotionless, especially with the next time they play it coming in an empty ground. Yeah,
3: it's um, it's the one thing. I mean, I put this on the sports social uh, social media's last night. I think it's if you're not a fan of Liverpool, and obviously you have to to face up. To Liverpool winning the first league in thirty years, and the fans being a little bit unbearable and and what have you, and, and talking about it, and flooding social media with everything.
2: If, I like to use the word. I like to use the word obnoxious, obnoxious. to describe some of them.
3: Well, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you think of the fans, I mean, it, it, they are going to be loud if uh, if Man City don't uh, don't win tonight. But if you're if you're not a fan of Liverpool, um, the the best way you can have them winning the league is by them not playing. And not winning it, not winning it on the pitch, and then not even being able to celebrate it like they, like Leicester did in 2016 at Jamie Vardy's house because of the social distancing rules. So unless they're celebrating it in you know um, about eight groups of of six in se- in separate houses as as per government rules and government guidelines, it's gonna look. Uh, it's gonna look ridiculous because they haven't won it themselves they haven't they haven't the final whistle hasn't gone in it there's not there's not that moment of joy where they've gone yes we've finally won it and there's there's celebrations and and you know players crying and what have you and, and celebrating it with themselves because they're, they're not on the pitch it's it's in city hands, really now and um, if you're a Liverpool fan I don't think I'm not taking anything away from from Liverpool because they they deserve to win the league obviously Um but there isn't a worse way to win that, and then even worse, they come back on, on the on the next game, and there's no fans to even welcome them there, and you know where where does the where do where do where, what 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 happens to the bus parade? I mean, where does that go? I mean, social distancing and everything. You know, are you allowed to have a bus parade in these days? Are you even allowed on a bus if you? You know, they're all be there in the face masks. <laughs> the Premier League trophy's gonna have a face mask wrapped around it and everything. And it's just the worst way for for them to win it. But I don't think they'll really they'll really care because. They've waited so long for this.
0: I can't relate to that because City obviously won the league in 1718 when United failed to beat West Brom, you know, and um, <laughs> that was that was kind of, it was anticlimactic to be honest. That was the most boring of all the league titles City have had, in my humble opinion. And, um, the best titles are a race. They are, uh, you know, or I know City romped to it one season with them. Um, that season they got obviously the 100 points, but that was still the only interesting part of that title race at the end because we were so far ahead and we got the 100 points. Mm. But the one last year was well more satisfying, you know, when Liverpool were chasing us and we finally got over the line. Um, and also the one against United obviously. Uh, then Liverpool's collapsed before like that with Pellegrini in charge. Um it does it does feel a bit dull. I mean Liverpool fans won't be too asked. They've waited for so long for it. But Exactly yeah. I mean I do know some you know Liverpool fans, some friends and I do feel a little bit for some of them because it's not way it's not a way to, you know, win a league, it isn't. It's possibly the worst way you can imagine. You're not allowed to legally see anyone celebrating and get drunk outside. You're not allowed to go to the ground and all this kind of stuff. And you could win it by just finding out via Twitter. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that's kind of dull, sadly.
2: I'm just thinking for the players, are Liverpool going to have to employ someone to continually spray D2 onto the trophy and anti, you know, <laughs> disinfect it? Because if all the players are touching the trophy at the same time, surely that's a little bit of a health risk. But anyway, maybe I'm going too deep into well, it. Well, they're anyway. all tested, aren't they? So yeah. yeah. Come on, Stephen. Yeah. As a Man City fan, be honest with me. Are you too asked if Man City draw or lose tonight?
0: Honestly, I mean, if it, I it was given two alternatives, Liverpool win it tonight or they win it against City, obviously, you know which one I'm going to take. Um, but a small part of me wouldn't be too upset if it was <laughs> out of the way, uh, you know, for the Liverpool game so they don't have to win it against us. But I mean, what I want to do is win tonight, then win, beat Liverpool and delay it and delay it and delay it. Um, of course. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, we all know Liverpool won the league a long time ago, so I, I, yeah. I'm genuinely over it because, well, I mean, why wouldn't you be? Because it's not exactly a <laughs> shock to anyone. It's like... um. Be 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 surprised that tomorrow comes, you know. Yeah. Actually, 2020, that would be quite. You know, wouldn't be surprised
2: at all. But yeah. You know. oh, well yeah, talking of talking of surprises in 2020, um, it was more of a shock to see the banner that was flown over the Etihad on Monday, uh, as Burnley played Manchester City and they lost five goals to nil. And of course, there was a, a banner that said "White Lives Matter" flown on the back of a plane, and it was associated to Burnley Football Club. Uh, and there's been a big storm about that, and rightly so. How determined are Burnley going to be then, Marley, to kind of get over their embarrassment from Monday night because they take on Watford tonight at Turf Moor. It is going to be, you know, the, the, the focus of this game is going to be probably more on Burnley than Watford, considering Watford need the points more than the Clarets.
3: Yeah, it, it might be a bit of a strange one tonight. I mean, Burnley are obviously um, going to go out the way to to try and, you know, reassure people that they're not a racist football club. Um the actions of the these idiots on on Monday night was um, as as uh, cast a cloud over the club, and it's not what the it's not what Burnley Football Club deserve. I mean, whatever you think of Burnley as a town, those things might you know the 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 views of of those who flew the banner over might apply to the people of the town, but the the football club is different. I mean, the football club it's just happens to be the most famous thing in burnley so when you attach some sort of racial thing to uh, to the football club it's going to be hard to shake off and people people will remember this for years which i do feel feel a bit sorry for for, for burnley about um but as for tonight i mean yeah i mean that like i said i mean like, the fact that we're talking about it we we're, we're just um we're thinking how are they going to how they're going to bounce back from this and mm. and what what have they got planned because you know you, you can't mud sticks kind of thing it's hard to get rid of it even though it's clearly not true um that you know Burnley Football Club are racist and what have you so uh, it's one of them I mean as well I've just reading just as we're recording this Sean Dyche is uh apparently um possibly leaving apparently he's getting uh He's getting um, sick of the, the lack of investment and, and money that he's got to um, to spend at uh, at Burnley to try and take them to a, another level.
2: I think it's the contracts, um, Marley, isn't it? It's, it's contract situations, yeah. players like Jeff Hendrick and and, uh, and the like and Bardsley who are out of contract that aren't being offered new deals by Mike Garlick, the chairman. I think Sean Dyche is losing his patience with out-of-contract players perhaps yeah. not being offered fresh terms. Yeah,
3: well, the, the worrying thing for that is the the fact that Mark Hughes is trending on Twitter as well, because a lot of people are, are mentioning Mark Hughes for the job if, if Deitch does go, so...
2: The Premier League does not Jesus, need Mark man. Hughes again, please, please. Sean Dyche stay, I'm begging you. Um, It's a huge chance tonight for Watford with the Hammers and the Cherries losing as well. They'll be looking to build on that draw that they got. Last gasp against Leicester last time out. As for Southampton, they were certainly in the relegation mix up earlier on in the season, but a convincing win over Norwich in their first game after the restart uh, basically sees them all but safe in the Premier League for another season. They host Arsenal at St Mary's tonight in which there's an injury crisis at the Gunners. They've offered David Luiz a new contract for a year. They've offered Pablo Mari a new contract, despite the fact... uh, He's moved permanently, sorry, from his loan deal from Flamengo, despite the fact he's got ligament damage and is out for the season. And Cedric Suarez, who signed on loan from Southampton in January and hasn't played a game for Arsenal has also signed a permanent contract, and he hasn't even played a game for the club yet. It all seems a bit weird. There's something not right about their upstairs decision-making, in my opinion, Stephen. It feels to me like Arteta, who of course you know well from being an assistant at Man City, isn't in full control of the transfer dealings at the club. Should that come as a surprise to us or not?
0: Um, I mean, we don't know if it is or not. I wouldn't be surprised if it is, that case. Uh I mean, we'd also don't know how it, how it's going to affect their. I guess their transfer plans. So like, are these things? do these things detract from what, what Arteta wants going forward? If that makes sense, Are these just things that are kind of uh, supplementary, so to speak. We, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Arsenal's board being Arsenal's board. They are, they are. They can be very frustrating. They can make weird decisions. The Louise one. I mean, that's just. I mean, all I can think is that maybe they're going to try they're going to bring that young lad back, aren't they? Is it Saliba that they signed last year? Yes. So they'll bring back him, I reckon. And then, uh, they, I mean, they even got that lad from this, uh, called Mari. He was at, he was at Manchester City for a while on loan from mm. various clubs. Mm. And he's like, he looks okay, you know, but I, the, the, it's, if I was Arsenal fine, but it's like, I'd be worried because these are very underwhelming decisions that seems to be based on nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like there's no reason to keep all these players as Suarez has not, not even played. Um, Mari's okay, David Luiz looks as shambles as ever. It's one of those things where United fans got frustrated about it for a long time, where they're keeping on players that they perceived as deadwood. And I don't think it's any coincidence United are starting to slowly turn the screw when they've got rid of some of the players that just weren't really fitting in anymore. You, know, you look at the likes of uh, Smalling and Sanchez and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think United, uh, sorry, Arsenal need to do the same. I think they need to get rid of some of the players that have been associated with this kind of really underwhelming period for the club Arteta I thought would be a little bit more ruthless uh, he is started to play some of the younger players but this is concerning for Arsenal fans um it is concerning because it feels like they're still very much stuck in their old ways and mm. maybe it's a case of that Arteta will just kind of tick a few boxes be a little bit of a yes man for a little bit but then start to move these players on when he starts to build his own squad because I still think he'll get a chance to sign some players um and maybe these will Move on, but yeah, it's little things like the, the the Suarez thing. That's just very bizarre. And even being honest, they've got a lot of concerns as well on the pitch because they were very very poor against Manchester City, very very mm. poor. Uh, mm. And I know it's hard coming back after the lockdown and stuff like that. But they are a team that does have that soft underbelly still. And you can get to them. Yeah. And if it, if it if they're not a club with a real strong kind of direction and. Uh, with a real inventiveness in the transfer market, which they don't appear to be at the moment, then they're going to just fall back into their old ways. Mm. And would anyone be surprised to see that happen?
2: No, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. There is some sort of issue at Arsenal that still yet hasn't been identified. It felt like it got better when Arteta first went in there, but still something not quite right. And it needs to be weeded out. Arsenal on the road again for the third time in a row since Project Restart began. Uh, It's their third consecutive away game. They'll be looking to avoid their third consecutive defeat against Southampton. Right then, the big game of the evening comes at Stamford Bridge as Chelsea welcome Manchester City. As I said before, this game feels more important for Chelsea. They need to increase that cushion uh, between themselves and fifth spot after Man United put the pressure on yesterday by beating Sheffield United. Wolves winning as well. Um, It could be a, a good opportunity, this, for Chelsea because Sergio Aguero looks like he could be out for the rest of the season. We're not too sure about... Uh, whether that's uh, accurate or not. Uh, It's said that he's got meniscus damage. Aguero's father said to uh, a a radio show a couple of days ago that he expects uh, Sergio to fly to Barcelona either today or tomorrow to get surgery. Is he gone to Barcelona? He's already had
0: surgery. Uh, They've already had it. He's come out of it. And they reckon about five weeks until he's playing. So basically, his Premier League season's over now which is a big shame. But But what about the Champions League? Because we know City are are
2: focusing on that. And obviously there's this tournament in Portugal at the start of August, just over a month's time. I mean, do you you expect him to be around for that, Stephen?
0: Well, that's what they expect. I mean, whether he's going to be fit and ready or not. But they think he should be back for the last stages of that if we get to those. Um, And that would always be a boost because he's Sergio Garo. But um, it is is what it is. Every team's going to get a, a serious injury, I reckon, unfortunately, given the nature of... A lack of preparation teams haven't had anywhere near as much conditioning as they usually would get uh and there's going to be mistakes and uh players will pick up niggly injuries from lucky being sharp basically so like some tackles will be a little bit later so players just not through malice through uh lack of sharpness and so i reckon we're going to see this and everyone happy and this just so happens that manchester City is aware of but other than that um things do look very good for manchester city we've been by far the standout team in terms of uh, the reaction post-lockdown. And I think a large part of this is because of, um, I guess, how City plays second nature. It isn't a game based on energy. It isn't a game based on, uh, you know, blood and thunder. If anyone was going to adapt to uh, a kind of a, a stale atmosphere, it probably would have been City because City's performance, City's play is very cold and very clinical. It's very, um, it, it draws teams in. It kind of it kills teams by, you know, with passes basically... And I think City's play is the second nature of them. We know what we're doing. We could do it with our eyes closed. And Guardiola spent three or four years really drumming that style into the players. Mm. So it's no surprise that they took basically no time whatsoever to get back into their stride. Where the teams that we have played uh, so far, for example, uh, Arsenal, they are they still trying to find their identity. Uh, Burnley are a team based on a lot of physicality. They haven't really got back to fitness yet. They also don't have the same squad size that Manchester City have got. Uh, and City also, yeah, once again, on the five-subject thing, no team benefits more than Manchester City on that. They they can literally change half the whole team and end up being stronger, you know, the game. So it's, it's very good for City, this little run, because I think City will probably end up winning an awful lot of games.
2: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Manchester City have looked imperious. Eight goals without reply against Arsenal and Burnley, respectively, in their two project restart games so far. As for Chelsea Marley, we mentioned it a couple of times. Um, the top four looked pretty pretty much certain when not. it didn't look certain but the top four looked very much on when they beat Aston Villa at the weekend and scored two goals in 60 seconds to turn over Villa um, after going behind but now all of a sudden with the other teams playing and winning the gap is narrowing and, and Frank Lampard will need to do his best against a, a really informed City side to make sure that that gap extends yeah, the um, it's it's getting a bit uh,
3: as Sir Alex Ferguson would have said, it's squeaky bum time, isn't it? At the uh, at, at yeah, the, the race for for that fourth and potentially fifth Champions League um, <clears throat> Champions League place in the uh, in the league. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but Chelsea, it's going to be tough for Chelsea tonight. I think if you look at Chelsea's way of playing, they like to dominate the ball, and they they they're sort of similar to City in in the way of they like to have the ball, um, and the only the, the only thing is that i don't think they're going to get it tonight i think man city are, uh, are the ones that will dominate the possession and i think chelsea will uh, will struggle um so when you look at that and if mm. if they do lose tonight there's only two points um two points that they they're only two points above man united and and wolves in the uh, in the race for fourth and it gets a bit touchy i mean they've got west ham at the weekend that's a london derby i mean west ham are, are rubbish let's be honest but so they should turn them over but it's one of them where it's, they might have that little bit of pressure and it's a it's a young squad uh, we've got to remember it's we don't really know how they they cope with the um the the pressure of having to win every game and and uh and that kind of thing but uh, they have got Watford as well after that i mean they they're fighting Watford look actually quite tough to beat and that's uh, that's away from home so uh, sorry no that's mm. at home it's at Sanford bridge um and then after that they got a Crystal Palace. So I mean they haven't got they haven't got the hardest run of games, but these things can really get to you when you know you have to win and you know you might drop out of the top, uh, the, the top uh, six even, uh, well drop two six I should say. Um, it's one of them where we don't know we don't know what what Chelsea are going to do, um, but I can't I can't see them winning tonight. I think um, Man City are uh, are gonna. Gonna turn them over, I think. And Man City are what Chelsea want to be, you know, in terms of the way they play and the the patience and the dominance of possession. I think they're they're the the benchmark that that Chelsea are trying to get to. Um, but mm. I was looking last night. I mean, if you if you're a betting man, I think City are at evens to win. I mean, Man City. Are, that's a great price, I think, for Man City. But so maybe there's money to be made. But maybe, maybe I'm just getting bored in lockdown. I mean, I've I won fifty quid on a bet last last night, and I think uh, I now think I'm flipping John McCririck, So, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> some sort of Mystic Marley on the uh, on the podcast. But if you get on that, and you know, let us know if you win. Uh, Man City, Man City <laughs> evens. Man City never evens to win a football match. So I mean, Chelsea are all right, but Man City are better. So you know, get on that
2: watch Chelsea win 4-0 now now that you've <laughs> Manchester City to win it's going to happen um, 100% wa- going to happen it is if you want a uh, comprehensive preview from a Manchester City perspective then hop over to Stephen's YouTube channel Esteem Company where he's walked you through all of the details of the game tonight of course taking place at Stamford Bridge Chelsea against Manchester City at 8.15pm kickoff, and we'll have match reports for all tonight's fixtures as well as match previews for the weekend's games on our brand new website sport-social.co.uk so go and check that one out right that's it for today's Football Social Daily Podcast thanks very much for, for tuning in thank you Marley thank you pleasure good to speak to you, Stephen. Thank you very much. And, and don't forget to hit subscribe, you won't ever miss an episode of the show again. A brand new podcast every single day between now and the end of the season, whenever that may be. So hit subscribe, you won't miss one, and we'll speak to you tomorrow.
1: Football Social Daily with German Donna Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo.